Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And the Rambling Runner Podcast is brought to you by Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities, and it just takes three easy steps. Just go to mercurymile.com. Enter your sizes and preferences, and they will send you out a box of curated goodies to your running delight and delight indeed. You will love the stuff that's going to be in this box. Usually it's 8 to 12 items. Either way, you keep what you love. You send back what you don't. You're only charged for what you keep, and it's not a subscription service. Even better, you can save 10 bucks by using code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 at checkout. Check them out today. Hey, they're sponsoring the podcast all year, friends. You guys have done a great job of checking them out. I know the people who have have really loved it because you keep sending me messages about it. So if you haven't tried them yet, hey, there's no harm in doing it. You can just send back everything if you're not a fan of it. But I know you won't do that because I know I've never done it. And I've gotten a bunch of boxes and all of my best gear has come from them. That's mercurymile.com. So today is part two of my episode doubleheader with Marcus Smith. So part one was a hit. No doubt about it. I actually had a longtime listener, Susie. Thank you for the heads up. Susie called it the best podcast episode she'd ever heard, period. Now, that's high praise, and it's all due to Marcus. So episode one went for about 45 minutes. The interview went for about 45 minutes. So in this episode, I cut it to a little bit before the end of the last one. But you're definitely going to want to listen to episode one first. Okay, so definitely do that. Episode one deals with Marcus's background, his opinion on a lot of different athletic topics and mental strategies and toughness and things like that. And then he gets hurt and he's in the hospital. And then part two is kind of him getting back into the game and doing some some absolutely amazing things after that major injury so we're going to pick it up not exactly where we left off a little bit before that just in case you forgot how it finished um so it'll be a couple minutes of overlap from the first one but i think that you'll be glad that we did it that way so again thank you so much for listening to this podcast this past week we we crossed the one million download barrier it's um it's really hard for me to talk about sometimes because it's it's so remarkable. I don't. I never saw this coming. Um, I started this podcast July 2017. In the first six months of the show, there were 8,000 downloads in total. So 8,000 downloads for six months. The following 12 months saw a million downloads. And... You know, we're not the hugest, we're not the biggest podcast in the world by uh, any stretch of the imagination. But in 2018, we averaged nearly 3,000 downloads per day. Not 3,000 downloads per episode, 3,000 downloads per day. And um, yeah, so I guess all I can really say is thank you. Thank you to everyone who's been listening. I really appreciate it. Your feedback, your suggestions, sharing the show, all of it has helped make the show better. And let's have a great 2019. And I think you'll love it with this episode with Marcus Smith. Now, you mentioned before, you're not just, you don't just sit around and think about what's happened in the past. You move on. However, after this accident, you literally had to just sit around. So you're, yeah. in, you're in the hospital. You're 39 years old. You're on the doorstep yeah. of 40. What yeah. were you thinking about in terms of what the things that you wanted to achieve once you got better um yeah that's a really good question because i was trying to focus on what i what i could do that day but to be honest i couldn't help and this is where maybe the mind wanders a little bit i couldn't help thinking wow i've just invested like because i've been training for the first event was supposed to start two weeks before my crash and i've been training for like six or seven months and what but what had happened i was like oh you know i've wasted all this time what so I said to myself, well, what am I going to do about it? And just two weeks earlier, uh, a friend of mine had sent me a link to uh, one of the hardest trails in Europe, um, which is called the GR20, which is a route that basically um, goes the length of the island of Corsica. 
Corsica is just south of France and just to the west coast of Italy in the middle of the ocean there. And I'd opened it and I'd looked at it and I'd gone, I want to do that. Um, but I was training for ultra cycling and it's not that I put it on my bucket list, but it was just in the back of my mind. So when is I this, got a, this, was this a running race or a bike race? It's a running race. No, it's a running race. So it's a it, Corsica. The route across Corsica is about 195 kilometers and it has 13,000 meters of elevation. So Oof. it's, it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty hilly. And once I got out of intensive care, um, I sent a message to, I, I thought to myself, well, I don't really want to get back on the bike straight away. Um, I was still in hospital, still on the main ward. And I sent a message to one of my buddies and I sent him the link. I said, uh, he's a school teacher. And I said, what day do you finish for summer holidays? And I sent him the link and he just wrote back, I'm in. He said, I'm in. And I was like, okay, that's next. So from the hospital bed, I think three days after my accident, that was, that was kind of my focus. I was going to run Europe's hardest trail route across Corsica. And it's, and this is one, one of the crazy things, like that's a really big goal. At that point, I hadn't got out of the bed. So I'd been bedridden for three days, but I knew that I could do it. It was July and I was in February. I knew that I could do it if I did enough of the small things well enough. And I mean, Matt, to be honest, the, the first day that I got out of the bed, I took maybe about 20 minutes or half an hour to walk 20 meters down the ward and back. But that was literally the best day of my life because I was walking again and I celebrated it and I was smiling and it was amazing. And I knew if I did enough of these small things, then it would definitely be a possibility to run the GR20 run across Corsica in July. And so that was, that was kind of straight on my mind. And and I also knew that my family couldn't tell me it was too dangerous because it was in the mountains and there was no trucks. So <laughs> <laughs> no one could turn around and say you, you're putting yourself in danger. So yeah, so nothing, yeah, no, was... nothing dangerous about running in the woods up, you know, near mountains. Yeah, no, nothing dangerous about that at all, Marcus. <laughs> um, so, so you bring up something here that I think is important for runners of all abilities because this comes up a lot just in everyday conversation is – people afraid of losing fitness if they take mm. days off or weeks off or they have a recovery period of some kind maybe it's post marathon or hey like i'm just doing stuff with my family over this week but i don't want to lose fitness like you were in a position where you didn't have a choice like you were you lost yeah. fitness this was completely out of your hands and yet you set this goal for you know 4 months later or so this huge yeah. goal so can you talk a little bit just about the idea of what it what losing fitness actually feels like and how quickly it can come back. Because I feel like a lot of people get yeah. worried about this topic unnecessarily. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think, I think one of the fundamental problems here, Matt, is that people, the way that people define and measure fitness is distorted and inconsistent that we're not consistent with it as human beings. You know, we often measuring our fitness against other people, which is wrong because people have different goals. So I think that's one of the, the, the fundamental issues. I was, I was behind ground zero, if you, if you want to put it like that. I was way back on the back of the grid. To give you another stat on my weight, when I was discharged from hospital, I was down to 81 kilos. I lost almost... I, well, it's 10 kilos lighter than I am now. I, I couldn't, because I couldn't move the whole of my left side of my body. I lost all of the, the muscle on, on the left side of my body. It was completely gone. So fitness for me, the way that I'd measured it, if I measured my fitness compared to what I was a week later on my bike and actually able to lift my left hand up and scratch my head, then I was on ground zero. But I'm not, here like we spoke about to live in the past or in regrets you do an inventory of where you are today and you ask yourself every single day what can i do today to get better and that's what i ask myself every single day and i still ask myself that now and it's not every single day i'm going to get fitter but at that stage it was like 
how do I measure my fitness? My fitness on the first day in the hospital was be, to be able to move my hand from palm down to palm up. And once I could do it from palm down to palm up, I would then bend my hand. But people are not, I, in, in my opinion, people are using two bigger measures to measure their fitness and forgetting about all the small steps that take us there. I was able to do that run across Corsica, as you said, four months later by doing a number of different exercises thousands of times. Like the amount of times I just sat and lifted my left arm up to eye level and put it down with no weight on it at all. I might have done 2000 reps like that. So I think we really have to drill down and understand what fitness is and if we're actually getting closer to it. And it goes back to what I'm saying. I can't regret that a week later I'm discharged from hospital and I'm a week behind where I was or I'm, I'm <laughs> I was more than a week behind, but I'm, you know, I'm right back to, I couldn't even sit on a bicycle, but what I can do is I can take control of today and go, I'm where I am. And tomorrow, or by the end of today, I'm going to be in a way better position than I am today. And if you're better by the time you go to bed, then I think, you know, you've got fitter. And I think we've got to really, people are, are good on big goals. You know, I want to run a map and I want to do this. It's Okay. Do you want to get up at this time and do you want to do the work? And that's when people get a little bit, they, they get, they don't understand the process well enough. That's what I'm saying. And I think the part of the process for me was doing those thousands of reps. And I loved not every single one because it's hard and it hurt a lot. When you've got seven broken ribs, it, a lot of things hurt. Like sleeping for the first two months was, was pretty painful, but that was what got me through it. And I think having those, like setting your goals properly and measuring it in the right way is what a lot of people are failing to do, sadly. Yeah. And because you had reached a certain level of fitness, it's so much easier to get back there as opposed to getting there for the first time. Uh, is it though? I think so. Like, I feel like if you, you, if you have a base level, I know so, uh, there's a, American uh, running coach and doctor, Dr. Jack Daniels, who did this study, of, shoot, this is 20 years ago, who they had, yeah. um, I think it was 90 runners, or he was 30 runners. Anyway, a, a, a large subset of runners ran 100 miles a week for a year. Wow. And then yeah. they took off 87 days, no running. And he, did a muscle, right. and he did muscle biopsies the whole time. And after 87 days of no activity, after a year of you know huge activity they'd only mm -hmm. lost like five percent of their of yeah. where they were and yeah. it was like you know obviously if they went out for a run that day like maybe their lungs would be affected but just from the muscle perspective their musculature yeah. had maintained you know because they, all, they didn't have this kind of injury you had but like the muscles that were fine you know they it still had the potential true. that it had That's already true. reached and so yeah. getting and back to that point wasn't like this new frontier yeah. And I, I do agree. I do agree with you there. And I think as, as, as humans, as athletes, we think that our fitness is going to be lost a lot faster than it actually physiologically is because we're, we're also a race of, of, of people that think more is better. You know, I, I, I coach a lot of athletes and it's like, yeah, you're going to have three days off. They're like, I'm going to have what? Three days off. I'm going to be so unfit. But it's like, <laughs> no, you're not. You know, I was, I was even talking to my coach yesterday and, you know, we're talking about the races that I've got coming up and, and, and he was like, mate, what you have in your legs is with you for a long time. Those 30 marathons that you did that are in your legs now is it's there. You've got the work, you know, it's just about tweaking it in the right way. And, you know, we're, we're obviously super careful. Like after, you know, after I finished the marathons, how we, you know, structure my training and my rest. But yeah, I think your, your point is, is, is very right there, Matt. You know, we, we think we're just going to lose stuff. So yeah, it was easier to get back, maybe my legs, but the trauma that my upper body had come oh, through. Oh yeah, that's was, a totally different thing. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Like, was, that's a totally different you know, thing. It, yeah, but yeah, definitely the, you know, cardiovascular fitness. I mean, my, my left lung, because it was broken, 
you know, that again was a little bit a bit complex, but definitely the strength in my legs, you know, it, it probably is a bit easier to, to bounce back. And that is a very good example that you've used. And, you know, for the runners that are listening, I, more rest is always better. You know, if in doubt, sleep longer. You know, the, the, the amount of people that I see skipping sleep so they can get up and get their session in, it's like, no way, you know, like sleep's got to come first and rest and recovery has to come first. And I think, I think that's how, I think that's how, like, I'm not young anymore. I'm definitely not old. I'm not even, I don't know. I don't think I'm halfway through my life yet. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how long I'm going to be around for, but you know, I, I definitely think that I'm paying a lot more attention now to, to recovery than I ever have. And I'm able to go faster for longer than than i than i ever have so you know i think it 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 pays to recover properly and to take good care of your body that's for sure yeah because if you i think we all agree that consistency is the key and mm. the only way to be consistent long term is to not burn the candle at both ends i mean that's something that can, yeah, that can work in the short term but in the long yeah. term it's just going to lead to setbacks and that's been like yeah that's been me for the past decade is that it's like six months on, three months off for that exact reason. And I paid for the, I paid the price for it a few months ago when my body just yeah. kind of like shut down because I just had been sleep deprived for years. Wow. And now I'm living, yeah. I'm living a different life now, but it got to the point where like, it just wasn't going to work anymore. So I yeah. totally hear you. So, all right, so get, get this back on the rails. All right, so here we go. So February 9th, obviously you have this accident and you set the GR 20 goal for July. Yeah. So, as July is coming, what, what, how are you feeling as you start to progress from, okay, you know, walking down the hallway all of a sudden isn't, isn't a huge accomplishment anymore when you're set out yeah. to really do training in earnest? How, how did that look for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's quite interesting because um, I'd, already, I'd already committed to – I'm a brand ambassador for Volvic, and I'd already committed to running a, a trail marathon in Volvic in France, Volvic the water brand. So in Volvic in France on, um, on May of, of 2018. And so when you talk about little steps along the way to get to Corsica, that was, that was the first one. And they were like, no, Marcus, you don't have to come. I was like, guys, I told you I'm coming. I'm going to be there. So one of the things that I, I couldn't use my upper body a lot, but I could use my legs so I could start to shuffle. So I just started on, on you know, it was probably about four weeks after my, my crash. I started, you know, just running a little bit. Um, I'd always got a lot of, uh, what could we say? A, a lot of, I get a lot of satisfaction from running. It creates a great mental space for me. I, I just, it's something that I've enjoyed. And so I sort of got on the trails, on, on, on track with that, got out on the trails and got through that. Um, you know, it, it was quite painful for my lung, but I never, and, and this is something that I'm very conscious of. I always say to people like there's, there's good pain and there's bad pain and you have to know the difference in the two. And anytime that I experienced bad pain, I would stop. But Good pain is the pain of just pushing. Bad pain is like, mm, that's tearing something. And when it's, when it's your lung and it was my left lung and if I felt it was just pushing it a bit hard, I'd just back off. And, you know, I think that's something that comes again with, with knowing your body and just being, just being in touch with things um, and, 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 and knowing the, the signs. So that was the first two months. And then I was like, well, we should do something after on, 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 on sort of the third month. So on, uh, where was it? Yeah, April. And then sort of a month later, we did another challenge um, here in Dubai where we, we, have a, we have a big space in the desert where there's a cycle track. And one of the parts of the cycle track is, is 50 kilometers. So we set, in, we set in June a challenge to cycle 50 kilometers, run 50 kilometers around this, this track, and then cycle 50 kilometers during the hours of darkness on the uh, longest day of the year. So the shortest night of the year where there was going to be only light for a dark for about seven hours. Um, so that was the next challenge. And I, I just kept feeling good from my training. So I just kept sort of pushing things. Um, you know, and, and like I said, when it didn't feel great, I'd back off a little bit, but things were feeling good. So that was the next challenge. And then on uh, in July, we headed over to, to Corsica and 
ran across Corsica in five days. So, and I was like, it was funny because people were saying to me when they came to see me in hospital, they're like, how long did the doctors say you're going to take to recover? And, you know, without sounding arrogant, I I don't really listen to how long the doctors tell me my body's going to take to recover because, you know, and I don't like to put any specific aggressive or too soft timelines because, you know, the doctor says, oh, your lung will take six months to recover. Like, what does he actually mean? You know what I mean? And 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 so I just like to play it. But I, I put in my mind, I, I sort of said to myself, I, I need to be able to run well and also need to be able to do a, a muscle up on the rings in the gym. And so it was actually, I think it took till about September time to be able to do um, a muscle up on the rings. But obviously I was able to run 195K across Corsica in July. So I was like, yeah, I'm pretty well recovered here. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Um, <laughs> I think I think the fact that you glossed over your 50k bike, 50k run, 50k bike in the desert um, was, I think, a testament to not only how well your recuperation was going, but just the way in which you were able to to test yourself and the the, the fitness you had set up even before the the crash because just that that even that in itself sounds remarkable so you must have been i'm assuming training in a way where you must have been going pretty easy just just from a lung capacity standpoint yeah yeah absolutely i mean and that's that's what i think again there's a little bit of misconception from people like for me training is sleeping well training is eating well training on those first few days was was literally, yeah, like, can I lift my arm to eye level? It was, it was very, very basic, Matt. And I think that's what has also taught me a lot and, and helped me to help my clients more is that training isn't always like lung busting. Training isn't always super sexy, should we say. A lot of the time, training's just really basic things. And if I'm training for a race or if anyone's training for a race, all of these factors, your sleep, your food, your equipment, they're all part of your training because they're all factors that are going to help you perform. So I think people's perception of what actually training is sometimes is a little bit distorted. And maybe it's only when you have a situation like I had that you have to, again, strip things right back to basics and go, Right. What what can I do today? Well, it's um it's lift up a, a glass of milk, you know. And geez, I, I couldn't even lift I couldn't lift anything in the first few days. I couldn't even when I was in intensive care, my my mom was feeding me, you know. So things things are quite basic when when you look at it from that standpoint. That's for sure. So when did the idea of thirty marathons in thirty days come about, and how did it germinate? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask me that. Um. Well, you see, from what we've spoken about, I like to do challenges. And a lot of the challenges that we do were outside of Dubai. And I thought to myself, you know, I've lived here for a long time and I've got my businesses here. This is, this is kind of my home. I need to do something for the local community. I need to serve the local community. And I'd actually been reading um, Dean Carnass's book. Uh, 50 marathons in 50 states. Yeah, in that's 50 a good days. one. That's a good one. It's yeah. a it's a great book, and you know, I I guess I guess that Dean's concept and the way that he put it over that he was able to activate local communities that really appealed to me, and I was like, you know what, the barrier to entry in running is very low. I can get people interested in this, and there's an initiative that um, is in its second year or was in its second year in. 2018, where the crown prince of the country um, challenges people to do 30 minutes of exercise a day for 30 days. And it, I knew it was taking place in sort of October, November time. And I, I, I just said to myself one day, I just said, I'm going to run 30 marathons in 30 days. If that guy can do 50, you know, it's that old thing. If you can do this, I can do this. And it's not really where my motivation normally comes from. And the deeper motivation was not that at all. But I was like, you know, I'd read this book and Dean had put it in such a great way. And I was like, I can do 30 marathons in 30 days. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm just going to pitch it to these guys. Um, and it's 
is that same thing. Once I think of something, if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm extreme. You know, I don't sit in the middle of the road in many things. I'm, you know, if, if I'm sleeping, I'm sleeping full gas. I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping like a champion. If I'm eating, I'm eating like, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the middle of the road. And so I, I called the guys from Dubai Tourism that organized the initiative. And I, I said to the, to the head guy, I said, I'm, I want to do this. And he said, yeah, that sounds good. Um, I'll, get the, uh, I'll get the team to, to contact you. And um, one of the guys called me and he said, oh, I've heard you've got a, an idea that we need to discuss. And I said, yeah. I said, this is the story. I said, uh, I'm going to run. I just told him, I said, part of your initiative, I'm going to run a marathon a day for 30 days. And it's going to be really cool. You guys can leverage it and we can motivate the whole country to, uh, to run and to be active. And you can imagine, like, I've just got this visual of this guy on the other end of the phone, just like taking the phone away from him and just looking at it and going like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And he's like, no, mate, you don't understand. He said, this initiative is 30 minutes of exercise a day for 30 days aimed at sedentary people to just make exercise easy for them. And your idea just doesn't fit in with what we're doing. I was like, no, mate, you don't understand that my idea is perfect for your initiative. So we kind of had this, this chat back and forth of me trying to persuade him. And in the end, they, 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 they sort of, I, I said, listen, I'm going away. I was actually going to Corsica. I said, I'm going away for a couple of weeks. I said, you have a think about it. I'll call you when I get back and we'll finalize everything. So I was already basically telling him that we were going to do it. And in the time that I went away, he'd sort of had to think about it. And I went to meet him and he's like, yeah, I now know exactly what you mean. He said, we can take it into schools. I said, yep, that's what I told you. We're going to take it into schools. We're going to motivate the public. We're going to run it through social media. We're going to let anyone that wants come and run with me. And we're going to make it massive. And that's what, that's what we did. We just, uh, we just put it out there. I, I advertised it all sort of through my social media. I put my start point every day. I put my route. I just invite people, come and run 5K with me, come and run 10K. If you haven't done a marathon, you want to do one, come and join me for a marathon. And it just gained insane momentum over the 30 days. It was just, it was just absolute. I was a little bit blown away by the amount of support I got, to be honest. I was just like, wow, this is just like, the country's just given me amazing support. And I started going into schools and there'd be like, 1500 2000 kids that would run the last lap on an athletics track with me and it literally made the the hairs on the back of my neck stand up it was just a it was an incredible experience so what kind of training did you do in order to prepare you for this great question i already had talking about miles in the legs i already had miles in the legs from the the running that i'd done um we what we identified is we needed to sort of make sure we protected joints because of repetitive use. So I introduced a lot more plyometric training uh, into my training. I introduced, um, not introduced, but I, I maintained a lot of strength training. So I'd spend two or three days a week in the gym, um, lunging, squatting, um, which from sort of CrossFit and from rugby, obviously I, I enjoyed anyway. And then what we started to do, we started to build up through, through the weeks. So we'd do a, a, a three-day training block of like 30Ks a day. Did that go okay? How do we feel? What's the challenges? And a lot of sort of biofeedback as well, like how was that mentally? Um, you know, what, what were the challenges? What went well? What didn't go well? What can we control? What can't we control? And then sort of just building up on the weeks. And, and it was quite lucky because in September, my – my wife, I had to take my wife to the UK for some knee surgery. So I was in great weather in the UK for two weeks. And I was able to run like 40, 50 Ks every day that I needed to. Um, so we just build it up like that and, and, and just try and look at how the body reacted at different paces. So if I ran 30 K at, at X pace compared to backing off a little bit or going a little bit faster. And we just tried it. I mean, I'd never trained anyone to run 30 marathons in 30 days and nor had my coach. So it was a lot of, and I think that's also like for the runners, that's what is missing a little bit. Like you're going to get a coach or you're going to download a program from a running website 
to train for a marathon or train for an ultra. But you ha- there's, you're a human and there's such a human input needed in, in performance, be it running performance or be it any kind of physical fitness. Like the best question you can ask yourself is how did that run feel? You know what I mean? Like sometimes we're so anal about the data and I need to run these splits and I need to be in this heart rate zone that we forget to go, how did that actually feel? Did that feel good? Was it challenging? Did you feel you had your nutrition right? So we just really, me and my coach just really went into it with, with a really open mindset um, and built up the training. I, I, I love um, heart rate variability use heart rate and heart rate variability every single morning to monitor my recovery. When my HRV was saying, you know, you're not recovered, then we'd ease off the training. So again, just listening to what the body's doing. And then we, it was actually three weeks out. I got a little bit of pain in one of my knees. The popliteus so on, on, on the back of my left leg was just a little bit tight and I stopped running. So I didn't, hadn't run for three weeks before I started. And then I just sort of said, like, again, I sat down with my coach and I said, well, listen, we just start out slowly. And hopefully by, by the end of 30 days, I might be fit. And I guess I was. <laughs> you, got, you got a little three-week taper. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's how I looked at it as well, Matt. I was like, you know, it goes back to everything that we've been saying. Can I fight this? You know? And I, I, I just turned around to my physio and I said, yeah, I'm not going to run for the next 10 days. He's like when are you going to test this? I'm like, well, why do I need to test it? You know, we get as, as, as runners, as athletes, we get a little niggle. And the, my best example is like a calf strain. You feel your calf going. And so you pull up easy on a run, but then the rest of the day, you know, whilst you're walking around or in your office, you're constantly stretching your calf out to check how it feels. And all you're doing is tearing it apart. You're just making it worse. So I was just like, no, we're just not going to run. I'm just going to have two or three weeks just chilling. You know, I, and I did as much as I could on, on, on an indoor bike. And, you know, obviously I kept training. But I think we've just got to be, again, those are the cards that, that we're dealt. And you just have to kind of, you just have to make the best of it. And I was like, well, I'm going to run every day for 30 days. So I've got a lot of running coming. So no need to go into that broken. And, you know, how many athletes go into a race a little bit fatigued or a little bit niggly because their training plan has been a little bit intense, you know, and I just didn't want to be in that situation. And the day that we started, I felt absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You know, I've, whereas, yeah. I've heard this great expression, Marcus, where it's, it's like that someone would rather be 90% trained, but 100% ready than 100% yeah. trained. And like, you know, and like, and but feeling fatigued at the starting line. Absolutely. And I, I see it a lot in the endurance world, you know, because these, these events are hard and people will dial in, you know, a marathon program could be, you know, it could be 12 weeks. It, you know, I've, I've had clients that have, they, they, they've needed a longer dial in. We've done sometimes six months for a marathon and it's like, you know, you just, you don't want to get them to the start line carrying injuries. And I, I have a few clients that I'm working with at the moment and Dubai marathons again, 25th of January this month. So in, in, in the coming weeks and it's like, no worries. You've trained hard for six months. That fitness is going to be in your legs. Just be happy to pull back a little bit. And I think that's something that, you know, I, I definitely knew was true. And I think one of the things as well with, with my challenges, I wasn't, whilst I didn't want to obviously walk the marathon, I wasn't going out trying to run a a 3.30 for every marathon, you know? It was like, okay, we'll take the first week or they'll take the first day as it comes and we'll go to the second day and then we'll have done a week and you just have to play it like that. But I think that it goes back to what we are saying a little bit earlier about perception and goal setting and actually just, just being a bit realistic about what's going on and just setting goals in the right way and then just looking at the things looking at the situation as it is today, how can we make this situation better? And then taking action on it. Like no one wants to get injured. No one wants to have a bad Achilles, but sometimes it happens, you know, and you just have to, you just have to play the cards or play what's in front of your face rather than just make silly decisions. And I think a lot of the time we're making silly decisions. All right. Let's talk about logistics. Cause one part about that book uh, that Dean Carnassus wrote, the 50 and 50 book was, fascinating for me was just the logistical challenge 
of yeah. the endeavor. So what did yours look like in terms of, you know, where were they held? How close were the start lines to each finish line and just all of that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I structured it in quite a good way. The, the guys through Dubai Tourism, this initiative, Dubai Fitness Challenge, they allowed me to sort of plan all of my routes. So I planned all of my routes around, uh, around Dubai and um, I basically started them. I started every marathon except a couple very close to my house. So started every day at five o'clock. That was my, my target and I, I hit it every single day. And I started a public place that was 1K from my house or I'd run to that place and I'd tell people they could meet me there. And then the guys that were organizing the initiative to buy fitness challenge, they actually took care of, so they'd say to me, right, on Monday, you need to finish at such and such a school. So as far as the logistics goes, for me, it was a lot easier than it was for, for Dean because I was always starting very close to my house and I knew where I had to finish. So all I'd do is the day before, I'd hop on Google Earth and I'd just map out a route that was 42.2 Ks. And we have a lot, there's a lot of um, water, public water coolers in, around the city and I kind of know where they all are. So, you know, I'd carry uh, one liter of water with me to soft flasks of 500 mils. And I'd just, um, yeah, I'd just fill them up as we went along the way. I'd carry all my food in, in a naked running band. And it actually, logistics was, was really easy, to be honest, Matt. It wasn't, it wasn't that much of a challenge. My wife was at the end of every, every day. She'd just come with fresh water and, and take me home. And, and that's, that's kind of how it went. That's yeah, funny. You said when you started that sentence and you said, my wife at the end, I thought you, you were about to say, my wife was at the end of her rope dealing with me because it seems like such a crazy thing. And I can just imagine what it was like by the time you got home every day, at least you got to sleep in your own bed, which is obviously nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. That was nice. No. So we're recording this on January 3rd. So I know here in the States, this is the time where a lot of people, you know, per new year's resolutions are going to the gym, maybe for the first time in a while, they're trying to get back uh -huh. in that first week. And, Anyone who's done that knows like the first couple of days, you have that excitement, right? It's kind of that nervous yeah. energy. You're excited to start something new. You're into it. You're feeling it. But then ultimately that excitement wears off and now you're yeah. just doing it and you have to just get into it. And there isn't this external newness motivation anymore. Just trying to make it part of your life and your routine. So what was your experience with the, with the 30 marathon challenge after the excitement and the novelty of the experience started to wear off and you're like, all right, this is just my life now. I just, I just run marathons every morning. <laughs> um, I was, I was honestly, I was pretty excited every day. Wow. Um, what I, what happened and, and, and I want to explain what the catalyst to that was. I was, I knew something wasn't quite right. It wasn't the injury, but I knew, I knew mentally I was there and I knew I could do it, but I, something just felt weird to me. And what I did is I called one of my mentors and I, I said to him, I said, I said, mate, something's, this is the challenge. Something's not quite, I can't put my finger on it, but it's quite, not quite right. He said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm running 30 marathons. And he turned around to me and he goes, no, you're not. And I was like, no, no, that's what I'm doing. He said, I want you to change that right now. He said, you're going to run one marathon 30 times. And I was like, well, that's the same thing as I just told you. <laughs> you know, <And> we, <laughs> we're sort of going back and forward. And he goes, he goes, remember what you told me about your accident and creating that presence of now and the focus on the moment and i was like yeah he goes that's all you have to do for your runs he said you just have to see each marathon as one marathon he said otherwise you're going to wake up on day two and go holy shit i've got 29 of these to go exactly whereas i was waking up on day two going i'm really excited i'm going to run a marathon today and then i'd run today and I would never, ever plan more than one day ahead the route. 
So oh, because if you did be that, able... because if you did that, it would have sucked you into that mindset. It would have sucked you into the mindset. Oh, and it's the nice. same. Like people, people would come to me, you know, or send me a message through Instagram at, at uh, day fifteen. They're like, "Yeah, buddy, you're halfway there," and I'm thinking, "Are you crazy? I've got fifteen marathons to go, and you're telling me." It's awesome because I'm halfway there. Your mindset is just crazy. I'm going to run one more marathon tomorrow and then we're going to think about the next day. And that's what I did, Matt, for every single day. So, and that's what, I think that's how people don't look at your training for this week. Look at your, tra- like look at your training for this week and know that you've got to do three runs, four runs, a gym session or whatever you've got to do. But look at your training for today and be really focused on that and be all in on today because today's the only day that really matters. And that's exactly what I did with my marathons. And it really helped. It was just, that was the biggest help that I think I had. That's a great way of putting it. It's like that zoom out, zoom in method, right? It's like zoom out, understand what the bigger goal is, but don't stay there. You got to zoom all the way in to focus on the process. Exactly. And, you know, when you're doing something like this, the process is so, is so huge. Like it's such a big part of it. You know, if, if, you know, waking up in the morning, my food is ready. What do I do next? Have a coffee, do this, do that, do the other, finish the run. My wife picks me up in the car. How much water do I need to drink in the car? Get home, eat. Now, what do I do? Like you just have to be so focused on that process because you think about it, if I missed one of those things, if I missed one of the feeds, or if I missed one of the waters, if I didn't have enough water when I was running, it's not like I'm just running today and I can be dehydrated. I can't be dehydrated. If I set out tomorrow in a state of dehydration, I'm already in trouble. So what you have to focus on, 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 on so many of those small things. And if you do, then what will happen is, is, is you'll, be, you'll increase your chances of success. It's when your mind starts to wonder about this big goal. So people are, are, are looking at their first race, whether it's a, a marathon or whatever it is, just keep that zoom on all of those things that make, your, make you successful at that goal. Don't worry about what's happening on the marathon start line yet. We'll worry about that when we get to it. And that's that enable, enabling yourself or focusing on – creating that amount of presence, I think for me made those days possible because yeah, mate, if you wake up on the second day, you've still got 29 to go and my legs hurt pretty much every day. So, you know, like it's, it's painful. Like running a marathon is painful and running two marathons back to back is painful. So you can imagine what running 30 feels like. Yeah. It's not something I want to do. <laughs> Frankly. <laughs> um, so. So I know you're, you're absolutely right. So here's, all right, here's, here's my last question to you. You've been so generous with your time. We're actually going to do, do we're gonna do two parts to this part one and part two, because this has been so good and there's so much in it. I want to, to divvy it up into two parts. So we'll put this out next week. But oh, wow. my Appreciate last question it. to you is about just about the idea that you brought up early on in the podcast is that, you know, you're doing some amazing things and, and you talk about Dean Carnassus and David Goggins who've also done amazing mind bending things. And mm. there's almost a negative to that for other people. Cause they look at someone who does something of that genre and it's easy for some of those folks to say, well, that's just cause they're superhuman or that's because, you know, they're just a freak or they can do these things because they're just, they're not like me they're this Mm. other subset of person they're just this outlier that i can't Mm. relate to and when you get someone who says something like that to you or you get a feeling that someone thinks like that what is your response both internally externally like how do you talk to someone to try to get your point across that like it that is not the case and that they are just as capable of doing something just as remarkable yeah, that's a, that's a really, really, really good question. And I, my answer is so simple. I choose to do what I choose to do. And you choose or anyone else chooses to do what they choose to do. You can choose to do what I choose to do if you want to do it enough 
And if you only know if you want to do it enough, if you understand why you want to do it. You know, a lot of people are, and I, I'm sure you've heard this before, Matt, a lot of people are, are turning around and saying to people, oh, you shouldn't do that or you can't do that because they can't see themselves doing it. We're humans. We've got two arms, we've got two legs, and we choose to do what we choose to do. I couldn't go out and run 30 marathons back to back without the training that I've had. Some of that training was in my accident. Some of that training was probably in my rugby career. You know, that training's been going on for a long time. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all just a choice. And if you choose, you can choose to do anything you want. And it's difficult with some people explaining that to them. But I, I, I tell you something. I was with, I had a guy who came to see me almost four or five years ago now. He was 197 kilos. And Holy for, cow. So that's like 450 yeah. pounds. Yeah, 450 pounds. That's basically what we're talking about. And he was sat opposite me. And his friend had called me. He said, there's this guy. And he's, he was only young. He was about 25. And I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible. And he was sat opposite me. And he was talking. Super nice guy. And I thought to myself, this guy has an insane amount of commitment. And... He has a skill and a mindset that if I can flip it round, can turn him into an incredible human being. Because to get to 200 kilos, to get to 450 pounds, takes an insane amount of commitment to eating food and to making bad decisions over and over again. Now that might sound funny, but you know, you or I could start today, Matt, we could have competition to who could be the fattest, quickest. And it's going to be really hard because we're going to have to eat pizza. We're going to have to eat fried food. We're going to have to, you know, we're just going to have to eat and eat and eat. And there's going to come a point where it's going to be really hard to put on that weight. But this guy's done it. And I said that to him. I said, I think you actually have a skill that's absolutely incredible. I said, all I have to do is change your addiction and change your drive and your energy for getting more food into you to exercise and two years later, he lost 225 pounds. He'd lost 100 kilos. So we can, we can definitely do it. We just need to figure out the choices and just make those choices over and over again. And that's the hard bit. It's making the right choices to do the right training, to take care of your body, to train in the right way, to listen to your body, to eat the right food, to sleep properly over and over again that makes you able to achieve great things. Anyone can do what I did. I'm not a runner. I'm a 91 kilo, 187 tall, centimeter tall guy. I'm not a 60 kilo runner and I can do it. Anyone can do it. And I think that's what, that's what really is kind of great about my story is it just shows that anyone can do it. It's not just me. You can do it. Anyone can do it. I love it. All right. So what's next? Um, <laughs> interesting. It's actually funny because we're sat here now, as you said, we're the 3rd of January. Um, I actually had in, in my diary, um, the 25th of January, I said to my coach, I said, listen, I've done a lot of training. I want to try and run a, a, a PR on my marathon. My PR marathon I did when I was training for the marathons was, is only 329. And I thought, I, I thought I'm capable of going faster. So we're targeting to go around 320 on the 25th of Jan. I then have some ultra races. Um, but just a week ago, um, one of my friends told me um, that the uh, big backyard ultra is coming to Dubai on the 1st of Feb, um, which is from Laz, the guy that organizes the Barclay Marathons, where you basically run 6.7 Ks per hour until you cannot complete it. Um, you go every hour on the hour. And uh, so my friend signed me up for that. And that's on the 1st of February. So I'm sat here now and it's 7.51 p.m. And tonight at 11 p.m., I will start some training for that. We're going to run through the night tonight on the hour for about eight or nine hours. So that's kind of what's on the, uh, that's what's on the agenda next, Matt. But 
I'm just going to keep on, 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 on running this year because I'm really enjoying it. And I, I just hope that the people that I'm able to motivate and inspire can just, you know, just join me on, on the journey and, and, and just get inspired to run. We had, uh, I had 40 people, just over 40 people run a full marathon with me during my marathons. I had 400 people running with me in total. And I had 20 people that completed one of the marathon for the first time. So that's kind of, there's quite a bit of running to come this year and I'm super excited about it, mate. I'm really enjoying it. I'm excited to follow along. That sounds like quite a week (laughs) of running. (laughs) It won't be your longest week uh, of running, but yeah, that that last week of January sounds pretty incredible. Um, So I'm sure, I'm sure if anyone is listening to this show, they're going to want to follow along. So how can they do that? How can they find you on social media? The best place to find me on social media is on Instagram. And my handle is MJD underscore Smith. I post a lot on there. I post all of my training on there. And I, I, I love interacting with people on Instagram. I think it's a great platform. And I am really, really active. I, I do a weekly Q&A on there where people can ask me whatever they want. And I just try and share my story and, and, and document what I'm doing in the hope that, you know, if someone, reads, if someone reads it or someone watches my Instagram story and they go out for a run or they decide to do some push-ups or whatever they do, then I've done a super good job. So that's where you can find me. And, uh, yeah, just hit me up and ask me any questions. And if anyone's thinking of doing – a bunch of marathons. I'd be more than happy to share my experiences with them. You're the man, Marcus. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it, Matt. Thank you for what you're doing. And, and thanks for everyone for listening. It's, uh, this has been awesome. Thank you, Marcus, for coming on the show. This was a blast. As soon as I finished recording this with Marcus, I shot him a note afterwards. I said, this episode is going to be huge because people are going to love it. He did such a good job. I'm so fortunate that he reached out. I didn't know who he was. He reached out to me. He said, hey, I have an interesting story. I think you might, you know, I think you might be interested in this and it might be a good fit for your show. And he was absolutely right. I feel so lucky to get him on this show. I really, really do. Thank you so much, Mercury Mile, for present, for being the presenting sponsor of the Rambling Runner podcast. Check them out at mercurymile.com. Also, Megaton Coffee. You can use Rambling Runner 10 at both of them to save, um, in Megaton Coffee's case, 10% or $10 or $10. At, either way, you're going to be saving money. Use that code. Rambling Runner 10 at mercurymile.com and megatoncoffee.com. I wouldn't allow them to be sponsoring this show if I didn't believe in them. I use both of them on the regular and I really appreciate it. Lastly, thank you to all the listeners. As I mentioned in the intro, we crossed a million, a million downloads this week. Amazing. Simply amazing. And it's all because of you. I really appreciate it. Let's try. Hey. Let's try for more in 2019. I don't want to be I don't want to be greedy, but hey, got to improve, right? I think we can do it. Let's do it. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and happy running.